Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. I got it out of there by myself, but I wanted a little help bringing it back. And weren't those kids uh, precious? They've left. We can't. You just want kids like that to remember those moments, don't you? You want them, whatever else happens in their whole life, you want them to remember God gave them a whole church that loves them very much, right? Yeah, wonderful. Hey, friends, open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Verses 13 to 20, that's what we're looking at today as we finish up our series and we're just going to see in this remarkable passage who is in first place. Colossians chapter one, verses 13 through 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. We're grateful. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us, words of truth, words, Lord, that we hope we can understand, but we can't, Lord, without your help, your intervention, so we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, Lord, to move us in all the right ways by this, your holy word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is, is what we call in the life of the church Commitment Sunday. Let's just say it together. Commitment Sunday. Ah, it's wonderful. I mean, it's as good as Christmas, isn't it? And in, in the life of our church, in the pattern of the life of our church, we step forward and this is the day that we sort of say this is a moment of commitment. I want you to commit. I want you to make a a commitment. You make a commitment and then, and then you are committed. And we're all committed together. It's about, it's about devotion. It's about passion. It's about making that, that commitment. So later on we'll have an opportunity to walk forward and, and make a commitment, a pledge, a, a promise to support the work of the Lord in the coming year. But you know it's, it's so much bigger than that. You see, I don't, I don't want you committed to first press. Not primarily. 
I'm glad I got a few surprising, you know, glances from that statement. What? Not primarily. Not primarily committed to, to some budget or some operations plan. Some, I want you committed. Committed to Christ. Are you committed to Jesus Christ? Is, are you, have you made a commitment to Jesus Christ? Have you made a commitment to follow him and him alone as your Savior and as your Lord? Today is the day. Today is the day to see that Jesus is first in your life. So we come to the end of this series, First Things First, and I, I believe God has really been doing a lot of work in us and in our church and in our hearts through this series. I've seen how some lives have changed. I've heard stories about how priorities have changed, of how putting Jesus first has altered calendars, has altered uh, marriages. And I praise God for that. The patterns of life are matching the, the call of Jesus. Praise God. A lot of us made commitments to worship 10 weeks in a row, one hour of worship on the first day of the week. And we've seen stories of how people have changed things to make that happen and even worship when they're away from here to make sure that they've given the Lord one hour of worship a week for, seven, for 10 weeks in a row. And I've heard great stories of how that has changed people. And it was all down to beginning with this key verse, the key memory verse of the series. Matthew 6, 33. It's going to come up on the screen in front of you, and I want us to, to say it together once again. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first. Well, we don't have it. Are you ready? This is your quiz. This is your test. We've been memorizing this. Let's try to say it together. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Wow. We did well with that. Keeping him first in all things. And everything else falls into place. We've looked at what it means to seek God first in every aspect of our lives, knowing if we don't give God the first thought, we might not give God a second thought. We've looked at how do we put God first on our calendar, first in our appointments, first in our priorities, putting God first in our families, our marriages, the way we raise our kids. Putting God first in our work lives and our, in our, our, our careers. Putting God first in our finances. We saw that scripture is our first authority. We saw that our mission and purpose in life begins with a first step and, and that we're called to love our neighbors first before ourselves. And in everything, in everything, we have seen the power of priority. That with first things first, everything else falls into place, and so today, finally, I ask you, did you get it? Do you know? Can you proclaim? And are you certain that in everything, in everything, in every part of your life, Jesus is first? We change the, uh, the bulletin every week so that you could, if you wanted, you could cut it out and make a, a mobile of your own. Children's Ministries made one for me. Col collect all 10, here it is. And you can, isn't that great? I know, yeah. You can applaud for arts and crafts. Arts and crafts can be very difficult. But you see how, you know, you see how it can be a challenge. You know, what if you're, 
you can see how if you're holding the, trying to hold the wrong thing up, things just kind of get messy. They get a little bit tangled. If you're, you can see how life gets tilted. It gets off balance. And, and then you're, you're working. You're trying to figure out how can I hold this piece up? If I'm holding that piece, then how can I, I keep balance over here? And as soon as you think you've got one of the plates, you know, it's like spinning plates. As soon as you think one of them's in place, well, then another one is off is off kilter and and there's no way, there's no end to the energy that it would take to try to keep every one of these pieces in the right place. But with Christ at the center, with Christ in the middle, with the cross in the center of everything in your life, everything just starts to fall into place and find its proper home. You see, do you ever feel that way? Like you're, you're rushing from piece to piece in your life and you're trying to find balance. You're trying to get things to stay in the right place. You're trying to get them to work right and they just won't. They just will not. They will not stay in place no matter how much energy you put into it. Well, today, with this profound passage of Colossians in front of us, I wanna ask you, are you ready to change your thinking about Jesus? Are you ready to maybe make a change in your life? Change comes when we change our thinking about Jesus. Jesus is not just another branch to add to your mobile. Jesus is the center. Jesus is the core. Jesus is at the very middle. See, I'm not going to ask you today to put Jesus in the center. We don't put Jesus anywhere. What I'm going to tell you today is that Jesus is the center. Jesus is first. I'm not going to ask you, I would like you to consider putting Jesus in the middle of your life. Why? Because you don't put Jesus anywhere. What I'm trying to tell you today is that Jesus is the center. He's at the core. He's at the middle. And what I'm telling you is stop damaging your life pretending otherwise. Amen? Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What has Christ done for us? What has God done for us in his Son, Jesus Christ? I want you to underline four words here in, this, in this, this, these two verses. First, underline the word rescued. He's rescued us. He has rescued us. We are the ones saved by him. If Jesus is a firefighter, we are the ones plucked out of the embers. If Jesus is a deep sea diver, we are the pearl pulled up from the mud at the bottom of the water. Under the strength and the power and the straining breath of Jesus Christ, he's the one who reaches us and pulls us up and saves us and rescues us. He has rescued us. Second, 
Underline these three words, brought us into. Brought us into. This is one word in the, in the original Greek. One word, he brought us into, he transferred He moved us from here to there. It's like a change in citizenship. Look now, from from the dominion of darkness, he brought us, he changed us, he transferred us from the dominion, the authority, the government, the rule, the reign, the the tyrannical reign of darkness, of powers of darkness, into, into what? Into the kingdom of the son he loves. He's transferred us. It's a change of of citizenship. He says, I'm changing your citizenship. No longer do you belong to the tyrant called darkness. You don't belong. You have a new citizenship with me in heaven. I've never been to a, to a, a citizenship ceremony. I imagine many of you have. Just put your hand in the air if you've been to one of these. What I have heard is that it is profoundly powerful. What I've heard from friends who've gone through it is that it actually moved them, it grabbed them in a way that they didn't expect. That there was a moment, a moment when their hand was in the air, when their hand was in front of them and they they took the oath of allegiance and they were handed their naturalization certificate and there's a moment that grabs you almost unexpectedly where you realize, I'm an American. I'm a U.S. I'm no, I'm no longer British. I, I'm, I'm no longer Canadian. I'm no longer Ghanaian or Pakistani or whatever. I'm not that anymore. Now I, I'm a U.S. citizen. I'm, you see, it's like that. It's like that. Only it's eternal. Jesus says, I've transferred you. I've rescued you. I've moved you. I've changed your citizenship. No longer do you belong. No longer do you belong in the rule of darkness and in the tyranny of his reign. You belong. And you are at home. And you belong in the kingdom of the Son in love. Underline brought us into. Underline redemption. The third word, underline redemption. In whom we have Redemption, it says. Redemption is the payment made. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. This is the ransom, you see, that Jesus paid to gain your freedom, the price he paid to transfer your citizenship from darkness into his eternal life. The price was his own life given on the cross. Peace, it says. Peace, it says in verse 20, through his blood shed on the cross in whom we have redemption. Underline fourth, forgiveness. Forgiveness. You see, when you gained new citizenship, when you were transferred from the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of the light of God's son, you carried some bags you carried some, some luggage over the border. The word that's used for forgiveness here is a word that means to send away. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't keep those bags. You have forgiveness in Jesus Christ, his son. He takes those bags and he says, off with them. Send them away. Back 
into the kingdom of darkness and you are truly free. In him, we have all of this. All of this we are given in Jesus Christ. This is what God did for us in his son, Jesus. But listen now, Jesus did what he did because he is who he is. Jesus was able to do what he did. Jesus did what he did. Jesus could do what Jesus did because Jesus was who Jesus was. And who was he and who is he? Jesus is God. Now, we spend a lot of time talking about how human Jesus was. Jesus was just a human being just like us. Jesus walked around like us. Jesus got hungry like us. Jesus got tired like us. Jesus got frustrated like us. He got hurt like we get hurt. Jesus cried like we cry. He laughed like we laugh. Jesus was one of us. Yes, yes, but He was one of us because he chose to be. He chose to be. He emptied himself and became one with us to rescue us. But Jesus was and Jesus is and Jesus always will be God. Look at the rest of our passage. Pick up at verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. You can't image an invisible God unless you are yourself God. God is inscrutable. He he dwells in everlasting light. And to see Jesus is to see God. Jesus, the Son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Was Jesus, was Jesus at creation? I thought Jesus was born at Christmas. Jesus was at creation. With the Father, with the Spirit, he is God. Through him all things were made. He is before all things. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. We call this the second person of the Trinity, as we say. All things were made through him and in accord with him. He is before all things. You see, Jesus, everything you know of Jesus, Jesus always was Jesus. And Jesus always will be Jesus, Son of God and Son of Man. Now, not only did Jesus exist before the world came to be, not only was Jesus at creation, but look at the end of verse 17. In him, all things hold together. Would you say that with me? In him, all things hold together. Jesus is the center of the universe. He is the center of the, he is the one holding all things together. He is the center and unity of all things. Jesus actively holds the universe together at the center. And without him at the center, all things would spin apart into their pieces. So it's Jesus It's Jesus, the same Jesus who was there at creation, the same Jesus who holds the entire universe together. It's the same Jesus 
who was incarnate, who was made flesh, who allowed himself to be born of a virgin at Christmas to draw near to us so that we could see him and know him. This is the Jesus who grew to be a man who demonstrated love. This is the Jesus who even died on a cross of wood that he himself held together by his own power. He died to shed his blood to bring you and I home out of the kingdom of darkness and eternal death and into the kingdom of the love of his name. That's who Jesus is. Same Jesus. He did what he did because he was who he was. This passage might be difficult to understand. It's cosmic. But to me, it it fascinates me. It just blows me away. In many ways, I've dedicated my life in many ways to trying to understand what exactly this means, that Jesus is at the center of all things and holds all things together. It's hard to understand it. I don't understand all of it. But if it says anything at all, it says this. It is impossible to overpraise Jesus. You can't praise him too much. You can't say too much about Jesus. You can't glorify him too highly. You can overpraise others. You can, you can overpraise your children. You can overpraise your, your pastor. It's possible. You can say too much. You, say, you hear someone say too much. You say, oh, that's a little too much. Isn't that a little thick? You can't overpraise Jesus. You can't. Jesus is God. He is preeminent in all things. Along with the Father, along with the Spirit, he made this world. He holds this world together. And he entered this world to make it new. He is the first fruits of new creation, the head of the church that follows him into eternal life and citizenship in heaven and into a world renewed that's soon to come. Do you think about Jesus this way? Do you think about him this way? To change your life, change the way you think. To change your life forever, change the way you think about Jesus. He's at the center. He's preeminent in all things. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. I'm not asking you to put Jesus first. Friends, if you think you can put Jesus anywhere, we don't put Jesus first. Jesus is first. He is the middle. He is the center. I'm telling you, stop pretending otherwise First things first, nothing comes before Jesus Christ. So what does it look like to follow such a king into such a kingdom? What does it look like to to be transferred from the dominion of darkness and conveyed into his reign with him at the head? Well, what it means is, what it looks like is that we're going to take everything in our lives and we're going to to find him over it all and at the middle of it all and, and we're going to find out how he wants things done, how he wants them done in every area of our life. We begin to say, Lord, I want it done the way you want it done. 
How do you want me to do it? However you want me to, to treat others, how you want me to act in my marriage, how, how do you want me to approach my job, my money, my career, or my non-career, or whatever it is that you have me doing, Lord, how do you want me to raise my kids? It's about saying, I want your way, Jesus, in every part of my life and recognizing that it all, all of it, hangs on him. And then we find new areas of our life. It expands. Where we say, I want to bring this. I want to know if Jesus has something to say about this. It occurs to us. Maybe he's Lord of this too. Like my, my life of entertainment. You know, we think, oh, I never, I never thought that Jesus cares about what movies I watch or, or how I spend my time on the television or, or what music I listen to. I, it never occurred to me to ask Jesus about that. I wonder if he cares about that and recognizing him as Lord. Say, so I, never, I never asked Jesus about these friendships of mine. I never asked Jesus about my love life and how I, how I express and seek and receive love. Oh, I never asked them. I wonder if he cares. You recognize that in everything, Jesus has the preeminence. He is first in everything, the center of your whole life. He's the center of the universe. Stop ripping your life apart, pretending that Jesus is less. You see, because we all know and we all recognize how, how dangerous it is to live pretending pretending that something is true that isn't true. Think about the regimes in the world and in history who thrived, who, who had to live in a total false pretense, defending and creating a universe that was entirely, think of North Korea, just keeping all the information out to keep a false pretense. Think of the Marlboro Man. Do you know that most of the, most of the Marlboro men died of, can you guess? <laughs> Smoking, yeah. Oh my goodness. How long do we want to live in a pretense? Living as though something is good for us that's actually toxic. Living as though Jesus is anything else but who he is. Jesus is the center. He is preeminent in all things. Jesus is first God first. You can hang your life on him. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Where else would you want to hang your life? So I ask you, I ask you this morning, is Jesus the center of your life? Is Jesus preeminent in your life? I want to give you the opportunity to say so, to make that commitment, not to make Jesus the center of your life, not to put the Lord at the center of your life. See, we don't put the Lord anywhere. He is the center. I'm saying I wanna give you an opportunity to stop pretending that he's not who he is. I wanna give you an opportunity to acknowledge publicly, verbally, in prayer, that you know your Savior. Acknowledge today that you know your Lord. I want to invite all of us to pray, all of us to pray together, and maybe for you it's the first time that you would, you'd vocalize such a prayer to the Lord, that you would you, yourself talk to Jesus for yourself and recognize who he is, that he's the center of your life.
that he's the first in all things, that he made all that is and he came to redeem it. He became a man to die for you and by him we have peace with God and eternal life. He transfers you from the kingdom of the tyranny of darkness into the kingdom of his eternal and everlasting light. And as we acknowledge him, as we put our faith in him, as we put our trust in him and our allegiance is with him, then all things in our life start to fall into place. And we see that yes, this Jesus is the one. Will you pray with me? I want us to pray together. Everyone bowing your head and I want to ask everyone Everyone, every voice to repeat after me in prayer. Again, maybe for you or for the person next to you, this may be the very first time to say such a thing to Jesus. But would you repeat after me and let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for this world you made. Thank you for my life in it. Thank you that you came in Jesus to save this world and save me with it. You are the center of all things. You are the center of my life. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. And all I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.